Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are discussing investing mistakes, dumb millionaires, and making personal finance funny. That's right. We are going to talk about funny stuff. We're talking about humor and its importance in personal finance. We're actually going to bring on our friend Joe Saul Sihai uh, a little bit later on the episode here after the break. But this is our Friday flight, Joel. And this is when we tackle some of the different headlines we've come across this week. And we're going to talk about how they impact us. Yes. So we've got our a, f- money. a few that we got to get to. I'm looking forward to that conversation with Joe, by the way, too. Yeah. He's um, an icon in the personal finance space. <laughs> and so, and a good friend. So we're looking forward to chatting with him. He's always wearing that iconic sweater as well. <laughs> Just like, come on, dude. I know. It's like, <laughs> let other people say it about you, Joe. Don't say it about yourself. Uh, but before that, I wanted to ask you a frugal or cheap. We haven't done one in a minute. And I realized oh. when I was doing this the other day, that I don't know. It, it it might be cheap, but I'm I'm curious to hear your take. All right. Basically, I shall judge. <laughs> you know when you get sent like uh, an envelope with payment required for a medical bill or something like that. So you, yeah. And there's the second envelope inside that the you're original supposed to envelope. send it back in. You you're using those. Well, 
I'm using those for my own personal yeah. um, mailings, <laughs> yes. So like I'll pay that bill, let's say, via the internet on my phone. I'll log into the website and pay it that way, but of I'll course. hold on to some of those envelopes. And literally there's the there's the clear opening on the front of the envelope. Uh-huh. And I will, on a piece of paper, write the address where I'm trying to send my <laughs> mail to, and I will tape it inside of the envelope <laughs> so that I can mail my letter. Yeah, I was going to say, because if it doesn't line up perfectly... I mean, oh, sorry, it takes even, a little attention to detail yeah, to get it right. Yeah, even if you're just ma- mailing something to a friend, I guess, if you're kind of like from the 80s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not. it's not necessarily going to line up perfectly. So, okay. Oh, man, I didn't know. I've heard about folks reusing the envelopes like that, but I hadn't thought about it from the standpoint of you having to, ta- <laughs> to tape another uh, piece of paper up under there. I mean, generally speaking, like that's not going to take you very long, right? It's, right. It's going to take you a piece of tape, a piece of scrap paper. As I was thinking about this, as you were talking about it, it got me thinking because, like, I think this is frugal, but I don't do it, and and so then I start to feel guilty. I'm like, well, why don't <laughs> I do that? Because that's totally a frugal move. But then, like, I just started thinking through how the fact that there are a lot of different things that we do differently. Uh, there's things that I think are great little money hacks, uh, like credit card signup bonuses. I love credit card signup bonuses. And you're all right on them, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're not the biggest I like them, but I'm not as dedicated as you are. The Chase Sapphire Preferred right now, $750 is the, uh, the welcome bonus. Yeah. It's still an incredible deal. But simultaneously, you shouldn't feel guilty that you're not, you know, jumping on every single credit card welcome offer that, you know, <laughs> that I let you know about. Uh, and so I guess all that to say, uh, there's different strokes for different folks. There are different ways that you and I can each uh, find little money hacks that we want to incorporate into our lives. So more power to you, dude. I love yeah. that you're doing that. And uh, to the extent that you want to do that, I think that's great. I will say, you're, what, what you're doing, what you're dedicating your time towards is making you more money than mine is saving Ex- me. Well, because, ex- the, you know, envelopes yeah. are relatively inexpensive and the amount like, of actual like mail, or- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the amount of actual mail I'm sending in a year, physical mail, is relatively small. But I guess it's one of those things too where I just don't have envelopes on hand. And so really, it's, a resource. it's, it's more yeah, utilitarian it on hand. than it is an attempt to save money. Uh, but well, it can, it can the work for either purpose. Mental capacity, though, that that takes for you. Like, you're able to do that while talking to Emily after the kids are down, and you're just, you know, you're able to knock that out. Whereas for me, with the credit cards, I mean, I have to keep up with my purchases and make sure I'm making these payments and how am I going to incorporate this card into the other cards where I have everything optimized. Like, there's a system, and it takes more time, it takes more brain power. So there are trade offs. Yes, yes, there are. All right, well, I'm glad you think it's frugal and not cheap. <laughs> Dude, I love that you do that. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of random, too. But uh, all right, let's move on to the Friday flight. Let's get to those stories we found interesting this week and talk about how they pertain to our collective personal finances. And the first story we wanted to talk about has to do with investments and entrepreneurship. And we discussed a couple of weeks ago, Matt, how more folks are starting their own businesses. We've seen just this oh, yeah. massive uptick in entrepreneurship during the pandemic, especially you know in the past six to nine months. And that's been encouraging. You know, th- so many folks are leaving their jobs and they're not quitting to sit on the sidelines. They're starting their own business. And and yeah, I think we, we think this is great for individuals. It's for, great for families. It's great for the country as well to see more small business formation. But then the question gets to, well, how do you start that business? And, and where do you find the funds to get started? And it turns out that some folks are turning to their retirement funds to get seed money. And the New York Times reported on this recently. But we would say that that can be a precarious place to turn. It's not ideal. And in fact, it's it's probably worse than not ideal. And here's why. It's because if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you'll have to pay tax 
and a 10% penalty on Ouch. the funds that you take out. Yeah, of your 401k or your traditional IRA. And at the same time, like that's bad enough, right? The tax and penalty. But those all important dollars that you're pulling out, uh, they immediately stop compounding for your future. So you're you're hurting your immediate self by paying taxes and penalties. You're hurting your future self by missing out on potentially decades of gains in a tax tax advantaged account. Mm-hmm. And basically it's just it's almost always a lose lose to go this route to to funding your business. Yeah. And so instead we would like to steer folks in the direction of getting started by just spending as little money as possible. We'd recommend for you to check out episode two forty seven for ideas on how to do that. That's how you can start a business with no money. And uh, yeah, it's true that some businesses do have some hard costs that you gotta pay for in order to get things off the ground. But you're better off waiting to start that business and saving up the money instead of cashing out your 401k in order to start now. I just like how there's an element of sacrifice. It's like, how badly do you want to start this business? And if you feel like it's something that you can easily just kind of click a button, make a deposit, make a transfer, um, pay some taxes while you're at it, that's something that, in my mind, is more painful. But there are ways where it just seems almost too easy to start this thing. And I almost believe that there needs to be some sort of like sacrifice to a certain extent as well. And we're all about investing in yourself as well. And you know, specifically launching something that you're passionate about in order to serve your community and to grow a profitable business. But you, you just put yourself in such a difficult financial position when you grab some cash from your 401k, from your IRA uh, early, that we just feel that it's something you should completely avoid. Now, you know, taking contributions from your Roth IRA, that's a, a bit of a different story because of course you don't pay tax or penalty on those withdrawals. But overall, it's just best to think of all of those accounts as untouchable, something that you want to avoid at all costs. Yeah, Matt, hopefully that's a helpful PSA for any How to Money listeners who are thinking, hey, I want to start my own business. Where do I get the cash? They got and, some time off around the holidays yeah. and they, they start dreaming a little bit. You have a little bit more flexibility with your schedule. And, and, all... and that is not the place you want to tap, though, because it's yeah. going to lead to future difficulties when it comes to your finances. And yeah, w- while we're talking about what not to do when it comes to investing, <laughs> let's uh, let's keep hammering that home. That's actually going to be kind of the first half of this Friday flight. There's um, a bunch of things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> exactly. There was this great article in the Wall Street Journal from business writer Dennis Neal, and his piece was titled... I knew better, but I bought Tesla stock. <laughs> and uh, D- Dennis, as it turns out, I appreciated his honesty. He uh, he knows all the right things when it comes to investing. He's been writing for multiple finance publications for over two decades. He knew that buying an individual stock is this speculative play, that it's like really risky. And his initial foray into individual stock investing, he ended up buying some Alibaba stock. He, he mentioned in the piece that he had interviewed Jack Ma, he was really impressed. And that was maybe part of the reason, at least, that he decided to to purchase. And the cool thing is, that stock went up 18% the first day he owned it, which is actually probably the worst thing <laughs> that could happen yeah, exactly. because you're like, oh, this is easy. Uh, and so he held on to that stock, hoping for even higher returns. And it's currently down more than 20% from when he made that initial purchase. And same thing, he purchased Tesla stock. His holding there is down almost 25% in a matter of six weeks because Tesla stock has not been doing well as of late. And so, yeah, I guess the question is, uh, what can we learn from this piece? And the question you might ask yourself is, well, can we make money buying individual stocks? Can I make money on Robinhood or M1 buying single stocks? The answer is yes. Uh, But here's the problem. There are so many difficult decisions that investors face when we decide to go this route, basically, it becomes a psychological minefield for us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have to ask yourself, like, when do I actually buy? When do we sell? 
those are the primary questions. And while the stock market it has been you know at or, or near all time highs recently, some stocks have been getting slaughtered. Like mostly the ones that were completely just popping off the charts earlier in the pandemic, like Zoom and Peloton. Uh, but you know that raises the questions of buying the dip. Even you know could it be a great time to buy those damaged stocks? Well, <laughs> you know potentially, but they could also fall a lot further. Generally speaking, owning individual stocks, like it's not a morally wrong thing. It's just that it makes investing so much harder uh, because you're constantly faced with you know decisions that are easily avoidable if you were to opt for a dollar cost averaging uh, strategy into index funds. And so, if you feel that you need to take a gamble, you know we would rather you think of it like a trip to Vegas and just dedicate a small amount of your portfolio, you know, in that direction. Just like you said, Joel, with Dennis Neal, the fact that he saw some gains early on, like that's the real danger because he's you start thinking, oh, okay, maybe I'm not lucky, maybe I'm smart. You know, <laughs> I've got access to to people. I know things that other people don't. It's like the hook in the fish's mouth. Exactly, and same thing with gambling. You know, you you win a few hands right at the beginning, and you think. Oh, gambling is easy. <laughs> Everybody else here is just stupid. <laughs> Keep bringing the free drinks. And so you start doing that, and then you start making worse decisions, and then, yeah, your luck runs out. Reality has caught up to you, and hopefully you haven't sunk just way more money in that direction thinking that you're going to be able to outsmart the market. Yeah, that's what we call throwing good money after bad. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you can learn from like reading <laughs> something like Dennis's piece as opposed to having to experience it firsthand. And I think that's that's what's great about when other people share the ways that they've messed up or the, the ways that they have lost money. It can be a warning sign for us and it can help us avoid the same fate. And Absolutely. that's why, yeah, we're big proponents of index funds. It's, it's not that you can't make money investing in individual stocks. You certainly can, but the pitfalls are just so much greater. Yep. And uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, another potentially devious investing strategy here for a second, Matt. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. There was a, a recent CNBC millionaire study, and it found that most millennials who have a net worth of greater than $1 million have their crypto stash to thank for their wealth. And 83% uh, of millennial millionaires surveyed said that they own some cryptocurrency. We're okay with that. Matt and I are totally fine with you having a small percentage of your assets in crypto. But uh, yeah, the next stat is a doozy. More than half of those millennial millionaires said that the majority of their net worth is in various cryptocurrencies. So greater than 50% of that million dollars, they have over half a million dollars in crypto. And uh, Matt, at the risk of sounding like old fogies, we're going to say <laughs> that's bad, right? That's not a good thing. Yeah, so we are older. I mean, we're, we're both millennials, but we're, grandpa we're like the geriatric millennials. We're not the millennials <laughs> who are still in their first job. They graduated a couple years ago, who likely have a lot more money or maybe a lot uh, a higher percentage of their portfolio in cryptocurrencies. But the reason we don't do that is because we believe that having half of your wealth in any single asset, regardless of what it is, is incredibly risky. Uh, and crypto, even more so. You know, there's going to be some big winners amongst the uh, investors who are going all in on crypto. But there will be a lot of losers as well. And sadly, we're, we're probably going to see more of the headlines about the big winners because those are the stories that people want to read about. Like those are the inspiring stories. Those are the, the narratives that we want to emulate and replicate in our own lives. Because there's a lot of people that see a story about something like the Shibu, Shiba Inu coin popping exactly, and they're like, dude. boom, I'm going to find the next one. Yeah, the but next that one goes to zero. Coin, I'm going to be <laughs> all over. <laughs> exactly. It's like those stories inspire you to think that the next coin is going to make you a millionaire. But in all likelihood, you probably just lost a bunch of money. Exactly. Yeah. Chances were, you're, we're not going to be able to do and, that. And not much ink gets spilled on those stories. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, on that kind of bummer 
somber note, let's head to the break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to lighten things up a little bit. We're going to talk with our good friend Joe Salcihai about the necessity for humor in personal finance and more. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. 
Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back. Now we're joined by Joe Salcihai. He's host of the podcast Stacking Benjamins. And Joe has been just a really good friend in the personal finance podcasting space for a lot of years now. And he has just released a new book. It's called Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Money Management. <laughs> and Joe, thank you for joining us on the show. Hey, guys. I can't believe I made it. You are here. We are happy to have you here, Joe. Uh, let's talk about your book, man, because you know, in your intro uh, of the book, you write that treating money as only slightly less fun than a colonoscopy limits the reach <laughs> of our collective voices. Your show, Stacking Benjamins, it's a ton of fun. We've really enjoyed coming on because you don't take things too seriously. So let's talk about humor. Let's talk about what, like, why do you think that a good dose of humor is needed within the personal finance space? Oh, it's funny, is and I wish I had a funny answer, but 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 I but I don't. It's that it is that I was a financial planner for 16 years. I've been doing financial media now for 12, and as you guys know, as a podcast that has a lot of fun, that that some I think to reach more people, we need to lighten it up. Some I I think that's and, and I'll give you some statistics. There's a great uh, there's a great report from a group called Nonfiction. It's called the Secret Financial Lives of Americans, and in there they report all these things that people don't tell each other. And one big statistic that stood out to me was that over 150 million people report that they've cried about their money in America. Wow. Almost half of Americans say that they've cried. Now you'd think this is people living paycheck to paycheck, right? Because I was there and I remember how hard it was and how, how much I struggled and I cried, but it's not. I mean, almost 50% of people making over $250,000 a year are crying. Wow. And I feel I feel like there's a lot of people saying, you know what, but if I had that little piece of information, if I had that, you guys know there's tons of podcasts, there's tons of YouTube channels, there's tons, you go to a bookstore, there's 50 million books out there and we're still not, there's enough information, but we're still not reaching people. So I don't think they're crying because central bank digital currency might become a part of our life, <laughs> right? Right, they're, right. And they're not crying because, you know, the mega backdoor Roth IRA might not make it or Roth conversions <laughs> might not make it. Like, that's not why we're crying. Yeah. We're crying because we're where I was a long time ago where I ran out of gas and I was searching the this rusted out minivan seat cushions to come up with like 82 cents so I could walk them out to a gas station and beg a dude to loan me that little plastic gas can and he didn't want to give it to me. Did, guy thought I was going to steal the gas can. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with this plastic gas You're can? You're not a I really just, trustworthy looking dude. No, look, I'm, <laughs> and, uh, I this am. Is podcasting. I think the word is sketchy. I'm sketchy. Yes. Oh, right? most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, no, I appreciate that. And I think actually when Matt and I, when we started How to Money four years ago, that was part of the thing that we talked about before we launched was, does the world need another personal finance podcast? And we were like, well, no, not really. Like there are a lot of them out there, but does the world need a personal finance podcast hosted by two best buddies who drink a beer and try to have a lighthearted way of communicating about the topic? And we were like- And still the yeah. answer was no. 
<laughs> still the answer from our wives was no, but we tried right. it anyway, and here we are. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like, there's like a lot of like starchy shirts and ties in the finance industry, and it's off-putting to people. And they're like, I need something approachable. I need something that is that I can, you know. And and that, that's the best compliment that we can get is when a listener says. You know what? It feels like I'm sitting down with two best friends at, yes. and drinking a beer, and it makes that learning a topic that otherwise I'd be completely <laughs> oblivious to or wouldn't care about. Just fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that I think that when you make it fun and you make it approachable, we start reaching people that we would otherwise not reach. Yeah. yeah. Besides humor, though, I'm I'm curious. Uh, besides just infusing more of of uh, humor into the personal finance space. Like, tell us a little more about the money philosophy behind your book. Like, what what else are you trying to get at, and and how do you feel like it's unique or different? I I think the best way to answer that is to tell you where the project, how the project got started, and I was uh, I had written a book, and I'd written it over ten years, and uh, I don't know when you guys write stuff if your spouses are are your your alpha readers, but mine is, and so I hand this book to Cheryl when I finally take it seriously, I get it done. She read it for I think it was like eleven and a half minutes and said this sucks, <laughs> like it was it was it was so over the top, uh, 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 hardcore finance. It was so boring. Boring. It was preachy. It was all these things that Stacking Benjamins is not. And and it really didn't even sound like me. Like I think over, they say that you find your voice over time. And I definitely was not that person that was in this book. And I didn't even want to give that type of advice. And I was not talking to the audience I wanted to talk to. So but I knew, but I knew I had something to say. And so I'm out in Portland, Oregon. Have you guys been to this bookstore called Powell's in Portland? Oh yeah. It's huge. Oh, it's, and what I love for, for creators like you and I, like we can totally get lost in this bookstore and I get these ideas, which I'm sure you do too, knowing you guys that you go through and you you go into the photography session or you go into, to, to, to fiction or you're in the, wherever I get these great ideas. I end up in the kids section as you get two guys can be. (laughs) (laughs) And so I see the Hardy Boys detective manual. And I don't know if you guys carried this around like I did, but it was written. This was a legit book. It was written with the help of a real live retired FBI agent. It says it right at the beginning. And my brother and I, when I was in fourth grade, we carried this book everywhere, like everywhere. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my dad on like a muddy day would go to work and we'd run out and we'd look at his tire track so we could analyze that because the book taught us that. (laughs) And then like my mom would, my mom would touch a door handle and I'd run over there with scotch tape and you know we could we'd get the fingerprint never you didn't prints, know where mom, yeah. yeah you didn't know where mom was and I, <laughs> and i thought uh if, if if there was a book that people carried around that taught money the same way in this campy kind of style but hmm. but but was for about finance and for adults that'd be great so that was the germ anyway i flew home and my mom had left all my stuff I'm 50 years old guys at, my, at the time that this happened my mm-hmm. mom finally gives me the stuff out of the attic, right? That she can <laughs> finally trust me with all this stuff. And one thing that was in this box was the Cub Scout Wolf Guide. And, and you and I talk a lot about the importance of gamification, about lightening it up, about making it fun. And these the Cub Scouts gamified stuff way before all these cool fintech apps have, which I love. Hmm. But they, they start off with tools you're going to need. They succinctly tell you how to do things. At the bottom, to show proficiency, there's checkboxes near do this, do this, do this. And then there's a place for your mom to sign it and you get a badge. <laughs> 
So, so stacked is put together that way. It's in four parts. It starts off at the beginning because I don't know where you're starting. Uh, my co-author Emily and I, uh, we start off with the basics: how to get out of debt, how to put your budget together. It's super campy. We then go into how to stack Benjamins, how to invest money and not get smoked, and then we go into protecting your Benjamins and then building stacks upon stacks. So that last part about hiring advisors, tech strategies, modern portfolio theory is pretty complex, but the beginning is laying that foundation. So, and it's, it's totally built after those two things. The Cub Scout Wolf Guide meets the Hardy Boys Detective Manual, but for adults and about money. I love that. Yeah. Well, so speaking of, you know, campy methods at one point in your book you you know you kind of break out the farm references you say that investments are like crops and so uh yeah like what are you trying to teach with that illustration he says with a hayseed in his mouth (laughs) right Right. now here let me take that out for a second while i explain this uh uh, uh, that you know when we look at when we look at and even if you're somebody that's always lived in the city you still know that that when you grow corn there have been thousands of years of research that show when you put corn in the ground and when you take it out and you don't take it out too early right and and, and, and kill the corn because you will kill the corn and you don't put it in at a different time than you should. So I think that if we look at investments, if we start off with, by the way, where are we trying to get? I'm trying to get a bunch of corn. Okay. Well then I plant these investments, which are not corn. They're the stocks that grow the corn, i.e. your investments. You start with the end in mind, then you work backward. You see what that growing season is, how long it is. And instead of us experiencing FOMO as there's all these great ideas in the investing universe, like, well, what do you think about NFT? Should I do crypto? Should I like, what should, hey, there's this hot meme stock. What should I do with all these? It's not about good or bad anymore. It's about, does it fit my growing season? And is it going to reliably grow the corn when I need the corn to be there? And I think that that for me takes this huge world of, possibilities that don't matter to me and helps me laser focus and get really deep on the few things that do fit my quote growing season. Yeah. The the crop reference in the book, it actually evolves into you recommending uh, this thing you call timelining your goals. And it's, I I like it because it's, it's complete with these cheesy illustrations uh, on there, but like, tell us about (laughs) timelining. Yes. It's, it's lovely. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you drew the pictures in this book. It's, (laughs) it it definitely shows, but yeah. Why, why is that so helpful? The timelining your goals thing and actually, yeah, the, the act of physically illustrating some of these things out. Yeah, great question. Because everybody's heard this this idea of of starting with the end in mind and writing your goals down. We've heard that a thousand times, and yet bunches of us write our goals down and we still get nowhere, especially this time of year, right? I mean, New Year's Eve, people are going to be writing their goals down, writing these New Year's resolutions, and we don't we don't follow them. It helps so much when I was a financial planner to make it visual. We live in a visual world. So most people in in the world are visuals, then there's audios and kinesthetics. And this is just the way different brains work. So, and because audios and kinesthetics work in a visual world, we're used to visualizing things and our, our unconscious brain will help us get these goals and make them happen. Plus, when we put things on a timeline, so let's say that it's you, you wanna retire, you may want a second home someday or the ability to travel more. So you put that on your timeline at a different place when you want that. Maybe you want to switch careers, go back to school. You put that on your timeline and you start seeing how these goals relate to each other. And then you start asking these questions like, okay, if I'm saving for all these things, what's the most efficient way to save for them all? And how will saving for one impact the other one? And where we can use these rules of thumb, like, 
you know, the 4% rule or what is it now? The 5% rule or whatever the rule <laughs> 3. is. 3.3% rule. Yeah, you know. the, the, the something rule. We could use that rule. And as you guys know, that's going to directionally get you there or the 25X rule, which is a different way of kind of saying the same thing or the rule seven, you know, whatever these different rules are using the shorthand robs you of these wonderful conversations with the people that you're planning with or mm. just values internal yeah. conversations about what's important to you and how do right. these things like is it more important that i put my kids through college and i pay for 100 percent of it and i retire later or do i really want to retire now and i teach my kids how to pay for part of it or is college even relevant in our family like all of a sudden i'm having these why conversations which yeah. i think so many people skip and visualizing and timeline your goal solves all that I, I was surprised by the way i took a sneak peek at matt's goal timeline and there was a yacht on there like six <laughs> yes. years down the line i was like really you think you're gonna get there bud i'm, I'm pretty ambitious <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see that there, there was back in the i think it was an early td ameritrade commercial or maybe e-trade but it but it was this guy in his 50s is meeting with his financial advisor of course some young buck in a really expensive suit and the financial advisor says you know i see villa in tuscany and the guy leans forward and goes, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And he goes, and I see a big old yacht. Guy goes, oh, that's even better. He goes, and I see financial independence at age 45. And the guy looks at him and he goes, but I'm 53. And the, bro <laughs> and the broker goes, oh, we're talking about you? <laughs> oh, I love it. So, okay, Joe, you know, you're talking about meeting with financial planners. You talked about how you were a financial advisor in a former life. Like, I want to know your take on average folks and advisors. And so, like, in your opinion, do you think that most people should be paying for professional advice, do you have kind of a rule of thumb for uh, for our listeners today? Well, I don't know about paying, but I do think we should have advisors. And my definition of advisor, even though I was one, is I think way broader than most people's. Mm -hmm. I think for me to get where I want to go, no matter what it is, uh, I want to have good coaches in my corner and I want to pack hunt, meaning I want to be surrounded by people who are going in the same direction, like-minded people. And I, I mean, that's why your listeners listen to How to Money and they participate in your Facebook group is because they want to be around like-minded people. And I think that's so important because, you know, I don't know what my blind sides are. And I think that while I can design my financial plan by myself, having somebody who's not emotional about my goals, who I know has my back and who's been there before, like when I was a professional, I would... I would get people across the finish line, maybe on average nine or 10 times a year, you know? So I, I got to see hundreds of people retire and the average person, we want to do this one time. So I believe in diet coaches or, or groups. I believe in, in having uh, people when it comes to working out, you know, when I joined a gym, I paid this money to join the gym and I didn't go. But the second I paid extra for the personal trainer, I went all the time. Yeah. Like I, I, I want to make sure that Nathan was not sitting around uh, waiting for me. And now I'm cursing eating. your name. Exactly. That's right. Uh, so, so when it comes to advisors, this is my take. I think if you have an advisor, Matt, where you have delegated stuff to them and you're like, yeah, Hey, you, Hey, money person, you take care of this and I'm going to come back in six months and we'll see where I am. And if, and if we're not where I want to be, I'm going to get angry. Like that's horrible. Yeah. You need to know everything yourself and your advisor should help you go faster. And I'll give you an example. Mary Barra running General Motors. General Motors isn't the top tech company, but the story of taking this legacy company that was so stodgy in their ways and turning it to stay relevant, I think is a great story. And Mary's done a hell of a job in my opinion. But Mary, Mary, because she's got all these great people running these divisions, like she doesn't show up once a quarter and goes, okay, car people, what are we doing? 
No, she goes to all the meetings. She knows everything about how the car runs. She's incredibly conversant about it. But then she has people that are smarter than her about all the pieces of the car that surround her and give her advice on how they should could move faster. So I really like advisors, whether you're planning your budget, whether you're, you're, you're trying to get your net, net worth in order. I, of course, like everybody, if you're going to hire a financial planner, a CFP who gives you unbiased advice, who's a fiduciary, make sure you ask that question. I think those are, I think those are really important, but Hey, as a beginning thing, if you're struggling to, to just get moving, find somebody that, you know, and take them to breakfast and say, Hey, I know that at one point you said you struggle with debt. Now look at you. How did you do it? Mm. And having some of those people in those conversations, I think is going to also help move you in the right direction. I I think it's a great point. And I think so many times it's either, it's either like all or nothing. It's like you go hire the expensive financial planner or you go it alone. And you're right. Like a community can be the building block and, and being able to rely on each other. And that's don't want to just over hunting. Yeah. And I don't want to overplug the Facebook group, but it really is like, I love when people post in there like, Hey, how to money community or how to money family. And it's like, people are helping each other out constantly. You don't have to go it alone, which I think is beautiful. I do want to be wary of one thing. Whenever you're in a community, and I know because I'm in the How to Money community and I, I, I love seeing the post, but just remember that somebody that spends all day on Facebook, uh, <laughs> Ur, Earl in Peoria, who can't zip up his own pants, is giving me advice about my 401k. Like, yeah. while I have the community, I really like the idea of taking somebody that knows me to breakfast even well, more than yeah. that. But, but, but I like them both together. I can still, yep. I can still uh, in the Facebook community, I can reaffirm, like, you've, like I've seen this week in your community. People reaffirming what they've heard, asking people, and there's a wisdom in crowds that's also nice. Yeah, yeah. and that's why, that, like you said, Joe, that personal relationship is so stinking important because you need somebody that knows you, that knows what you're going after, because otherwise you're going to have different goals, right? Yeah. Not only yeah. is it about finding the right relationships, uh, not only is it about having something beyond just a few rules in place, like 25x your annual expenses, but it takes relationship, and that takes time. That's where meta isn't, I think, is going to fall flat because <laughs> right. the ability for us to get to know each other oftentimes, in our opinion, does take place over a craft See, I was thinking that's going to be my way to avoid you. <laughs> Spend all my life in the metaverse. You're, you're going to log in and I'm going to be sitting there waiting on you. <laughs> when you guys say the word meta, do you throw up in your mouth a little bit? Like just a little, a little bit. bit, yeah. 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 Well, and two things people are going to hire a financial advisor. If you're meeting with them and you're actually going to their office, which I kind of like, um, I, uh, I do like the face-to-face relationship. Um, whoever, if they actually have somebody scheduling the appointment i'll tell you having been in tons of financial planner offices if the receptionist is uh is disgruntled at all leave because hmm. i've been in i've been in so many offices and whenever the receptionist is disgruntled that stuff comes from the top um, bad sign and also, by the way, if they've got like Kramer yelling about stocks on a TV in the lobby, run. <laughs> because you, like, I want the travel channel, right? I want yes. something that's about yep. dreams and aspirations. Yes. Yep. And, you know, if you're calling them or online, like I'd really look at their website. What are they emphasizing? They're emphasizing their hot stock trader. Once again, don't love that. If they're emphasizing that achieving what you want for yourself, I, I, I super like that. So pay, pay it, it, it's weird because... You know, when you think about yourself and other people, we think that we look at things differently, but online, we kind of, the studies show we look at things like other people. And if your spidey sense gets a little tingly that, eh, I don't know about this, you're actually probably right. Yeah. Joe, I uh, love this combo, man. I love what you're doing in, in the space. I love what you're doing with this book, infusing humor into a topic that 
often goes completely without. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about what you're up to and about the new book? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for a great conversation about your changing budget and you. I know that both of your voices have been cracking with your budget, and it's, uh, it's a difficult time. But uh, no, you can find me at the Stacking Benjamin Show every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. After you listen to How to Money, you can tune in to us. You'll hear that you've heard Joel and Matt on there at least, what, two, three times you yeah, guys have been on, I think? For sure. And Re- it's always a blast. Yeah, helping us, and we have a good time. And then uh, for Stacked, anywhere books are sold, I like two things. I like number one, uh, independent bookstores, uh, support those places that are disappearing around the United States. I also like if you're just started out, starting out, even though you can't dog ear it like I did my Hardy Boys detective manual, I like the library to begin, you know, stack yep. a few Benjamins first and then go buy it and dog ear it. So there you go. Are, are you too. reading the audiobook, by the way? I am. You know, what's funny is the woman who plays my mom. I had to, I had to fire my mom because she sounds too young, which is, a, <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I'm like, mom, you sound too young. She's like, whatever. I never thought I'd have to fire you. <laughs> I know. But the woman who plays my mom, my friend, and Julie Ray Harrison, who runs this nonprofit I'm a part of, building walking trails in our community. Julie Ray has this beautiful voice. And when Penguin Random House went to, went to me and said, hey, is your mom going to read the mom parts? I went, oh my goodness, really? And so I went to my friend Julie Ray. I'm like, you want to play my mom again? So you'll hear Emily open up the chapters. I do most of the reading. And then the mom parts are read by my friend Julie Ray Harrison, who's my mom. That is awesome. Awesome. Dude, well, I enjoyed the physical copy, but I'll have to check out the audiobook now. And uh, yeah, Joe, thank you again so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thanks a ton, guys. Have a happy new year. You as well, my friend. Yeah, that's right. Happy new year. That's not something we even addressed. It's about to be the new year, 2022. Hopefully it'll be a good one. I, I'm, I'm expecting better things than 2021. Although, you know, it was- Isn't that what we b- said though? Better than 2020, 2020 right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Joe. I love his mission yes. to make personal finance yep. fun. And he's just, he's doing an awesome job in that space. And so, yeah, we'll post a link to his, his new book his that podcast, just came out. His podcast, all that stuff. Everything about Stacking Benjamins yeah. you can find in our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. So, Matt, until next time, which will be next year. Until next year, buddy. Best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. 
Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.